0: Welcome to the Still Study Podcast, episode number 19, September 4th, 2021. I am your host, Jeremy Ritz here on the Still Study, expressing my gratitude to you for joining me here today. We've got a very special show planned for all of you out there in Steelers Nation today. As Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot joins the show, to give us his take on the current status of the Pittsburgh Steelers as they prepare for their week one contest against the Buffalo Bills. And in this episode, I will also be providing my season preview for the Steelers in 2021. And you can also find on the site the article for the season preview. It's over 6,000 words. It is a beast. It's comprehensive and it gives the rundown on what to expect from your 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. Just a few notes here as we kick off the show. If you haven't saw on Twitter yet, I am currently running a contest in which you can win a brand new Steelers jersey of your choice from the NFL shop. All you have to do is retweet, like, and make sure you're following the Steel Study on Twitter. Uh, I have a tweet up about the contest. You just want to retweet that and like it. And then also, there is a link to an article that explains the contest rules. You just need to comment on that article, which jersey you want the most for this 2021 season, season, which Steelers jersey, and why, and then you are officially entered into the contest. And this is all in celebration of the approaching 100th episode of the study session. And what will happen on episode number 100 is that I will announce the winner of the jersey contest. So make sure that you get involved with that. Spread that message to your friends. Let them get involved. Do you want a Watt jersey? Do you want a Harris jersey? Freyermuth? Thunderleg? It can be yours. Brand new from the NFL shop. So be sure to participate. Just want to say thank you to all the studying out there for being supporters of the site, for reading my work, listening to the study sessions, listening to the Still Study podcast. It means the world to me, and I am truly grateful. So thank you for that. Please continue to share with your family and friends. Get the message of the Still Study out. And also, remember, you can connect with me via email at thestillstudy at gmail.com. And you can also give me a follow on Twitter at stillstudy. So again, great show planned for you today. Taking a look at the 2021 Steelers season and look how far we have come. You know, the study started back in April when we were previewing the NFL draft. And we are only a little over a week away from the first regular season contest against the Buffalo Bills. And just to reflect on what has transpired for the Steelers up to this point, just to give us some perspective, if you go back to that draft time, The discussion was all centered on which position is the team going to draft in the first round. And if you remember, the debate was between running back and offensive line. If you remember tackle Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, he was being rumored to be in the Steelers' crosshairs. Najee was there. They were rumored to be interested in Travis Etienne. If Harris wasn't available... But they got their guy. They got Harris, and by all counts and purposes, through rookie mini camps, OTAs, voluntary mini camp, training camp, and and the three preseason contests that he's played in, Harris is the real deal. And if you look at the rest of that draft class, everybody made the roster minus Quincy Rocher, and that is a massive win for this organization. And if you drill down a bit further, look how many starters, potential starters, are coming out of this draft class. Harris, obviously, Freyermuth, he's going to be the number two. But what he has demonstrated in the preseason and in training camp practices, if you remember Alex Kazoor talked about how Freyermuth had the highest catch percentage out of any Steelers tight end, Any Steelers receiver that he's ever tracked and can't dating back to 2015. So Freyermuth probably will be the number one tight end before the end of the season. So you're not talking just two decent players. You're talking two players that are, one is definitely starting at the beginning of the year and the other who will probably be starting by mid-year. Then you have Kendrick Green in the third round. He's going to start. He's slated to start at center. Dan Moore Jr., the fourth round pick out of Texas A&M at tackle. More than likely, he's going to get the start by default. If the general Joe Haig doesn't, Moore's going to get the start at left tackle. They're probably going to move Chooks to the right side. So right there in the first four rounds, you have four starting players. And then if you just keep going down the list, Buddy Johnson made the team. He's not going to start. He's going to provide depth at inside backer. Presley Harvin is the new Steelers punter. There's another starter for you. Quincy Roche obviously was cut. They were hoping to get him back on the practice squad. That's not going to happen. He was picked up by the Giants. Trey Norwood made the team. He was drafted in the seventh round. So, again, when you look at this group in totality, the promise is there. The promise is there. These guys are going to start. They're going to contribute. And depending on how well they play, this could go down as one of the greatest draft classes that the Steelers ever had. I don't think anybody was anticipating back in April, early May when the draft went down that this many players would be able to contribute so quickly. But that is the current reality. I forgot to mention Isaiah Loudermilk. He, he splashed a bit in the preseason. But again, this is the reality of this draft class It's a win for the organization. It's a win for the team. And it was a nice surprise throughout training camp and the preseason games. And that infusion of youth and talent into this roster and the depth chart hopefully equates in more wins for the Steelers. And then if you continue on past the draft through OTAs and minicamp, We can remember things like Devin Bush's tweet rants. How that dominated discussion. The tragedy that Stefan Tuitt faced with his brother. James Pierre showing out in minicamps and OTAs. Catching everybody's attention early on. And then sustaining that in training camp practices and also in the preseason contest, there's a lot of enthusiasm about him. Roethlisberger, the questions surrounding Rothisberger if you remember back to Matt Canada's comments about Big Ben saying, we're going to do whatever Big Ben wants to do and everybody lost their mind. But what he was trying to get at with that point was He's going to build the offense around Roethlisberger's strengths. And what we've seen from Roethlisberger between April and today is a newfound enthusiasm, excitement, a love for the game. And maybe he has reached a realization following that loss to the Cleveland Browns that this could be his last go. This could be his last rodeo. So maybe there's a sense of gratitude, of present moment living, just absorbing every second, knowing that this could be his last season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know it's just one preseason contest and we shouldn't draw concrete conclusions from them, but that performance that Ben put up against the Detroit Lions was masterful. Those two touchdown passes to Freyermuth in the end zone were classic. He even showed the old school Big Ben mobility, scrambling around, and had it not been for Eric Ebron's Butterfingers, he would have had another big completion. But those questions about Roethlisberger that were being kicked around, that he was done, that he was washed up, he has shown nothing of that this training camp and preseason and I know I am highly encouraged about what he is going to bring to the table in 2021 some of the other questions if you remember back I was harping on the outside linebacker depth because at the time it was just Quincy Roche that has been answered in a big way with Melvin Ingram now that is a really really a position of strength with him as your number third and Jameer Jones is your fourth The slot corner position it seems that Pierre is going to kick to the outside Sutton's going to move to the inside no matter how much the team wants to find some type of Mike Hilton replacement it's just not going to happen and that's going to be their best approach so all these questions that we had at the outset of camp some of them have been answered some of them have not the offensive line is still a major question mark and that's going to play out over time during the season but we do have a better sense of where this team is headed in 2021. And on the second half of the show, I'm going to dig into my 2021 Steelers season prediction. Again, you could read more in depth about what my projections are in the article will be up later today. But before we get to that, I am very excited and honored to have Mr. Alex Kazora back on the show from Steelers Depot. You can check out his work on SteelersDefo.com and follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Kizora. And without any further hesitation, please join me in welcoming Alex Kazora back to the Still Study Podcast. Enjoy. Okay, well, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm assume, assuming that it's evening, but I don't know where you're at. Uh, in this internet world. But today, very excited to have with us once again, for the second time, Alex Kazora from the Steelers Depot. If you haven't read Alex's work, please do so. It's tremendous. It's detailed. It's insightful, specific, and you could find that at SteelersDepot.com. And Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but your Twitter Twitter handle is Alex underscore Kazora. Is that correct?
1: Yep, you got it.
0: Awesome. So give Alex a uh, follow, check out his work on The Depot. And Alex, glad to have you back here for a second time.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, we're going to jump in because I know how busy that you are, but your training camp coverage this year was once again, outstanding. Uh, I know a lot of people that I speak to just talk about the quality of the work that you do. Um, Really wanted to to talk about that experience and how the vibe was different at Heinz Field being that camp is Traditionally, at St. Vincent's, we had the change in venue. And then from there, uh, your perspective on those players that really caught your attention and those who did it both not only in practice, but also in the preseason.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, from an experience standpoint, it certainly was weird. I mean, this team has has had practices and training camp at Heinz Field before for the Family Fest event the last couple of years, obviously not in 2020, but in 2018, 2019. So it wasn't brand new for them or for, for me um but it's hard to beat the experiment experience in the environment of latrobe i mean you can go watch an nfl practice and get autographs from your favorite steelers for free you don't have to spend a dime when you're at latrobe when you're at pittsburgh you get a to pay for parking it's just you know, they get to pay for food and stuff like that and so um it's probably a little bit more of a, of a cost to the so the family tickets were free though so i think steelers did right to to do that um but I got used to it. It wasn't too bad. Um, you know, the, the, seating was nice. It was cool to get to go to Heinz field and only have a couple thousand fans there. And it wasn't like packed 60,000 you know, people. And just kind of was a unique experience in that respect. And um, you know, you just, you get used to it overall. So hopefully they'll be back at Latrobe next season. I know that'll be huge for the, the town of Latrobe and how hard, you know, those businesses and restaurants and hotels have been hit with COVID. And then, um, you know, with that, with the uh, Steelers not being a training camp there the last two seasons. So, um we'll work either way though if it's at tines field we'll be there if it's in latrobe then we'll be there as well to your second question about the guys who caught my eye i mean there's a lot of them for sure and i think you made a really good point jeremy that you know which guys did it in camp in practice and which guys did it in actual games because if you do one not the other there's a problem especially if you're doing it in practice and not doing it in game um i would just say a lot of the outside linebackers overall had really strong summers alex highsmith to me had not only the, the best camp of any Steeler this summer, but one of the best camps I've seen from any Steeler since I've been at training camp in 2015. Wow. I mean, he was that good in terms of the consistency against the run, against the pass, in coverage, and then translating that to actual games. Um, he was phenomenal. And, and his growth and his maturation in just one year has been remarkable to me. And certainly, he's not at Dupree's level yet, um, but he's close, closer than I thought he would be. And so that's been super impressive. And then Melvin Ingram, to me, said had a really strong camp, going to be a great rotational piece. And then a guy like Jameer Jones, which to me is this year's camp darling of the guy that came out of nowhere. No one pegged him as a guy. I never did either, um, but he was awesome start to finish. And what he did on special teams, especially in these games, uh, led to Steelers, Steelers with six special teams tackles in the four games, and I think led the NFL as well. Um, that cemented his spot, had three and a half tackles, on special teams that last game against Carolina. To me, that kind of stamped his roster spot the way he did for Rosie Nix, you know, several years ago. So not that he's going to be an impact guy this year defensively, at least let's hope not, but um, he was somebody that came out of nowhere and was to me the quintessential camp darling.
0: Right. And and talking about Jones a little bit, I think he's in a a nice position being that he's going to be able to learn from TJ Watt. And you mentioned Melvin Ingram, who hadn't signed when we talked last time. What do you see? I know special teams, obviously, obviously that's going to be his primary role uh, this season. But do you see him getting snaps and maybe contests where the the team is blowing out an opponent? Hopefully we have multiple opportunities like that. But can Mm -hmm. he be somebody who can come in and spell uh, Watt or Highsmith for a few snaps? Or is that maybe a year away?
1: I think it's a year away. Um, What I will say, though, is he's one injury away from being the rotational guy. Um, You know, if something happens to Watt or any of those guys, he's the next man up, and that means he'll start getting rotational snaps immediately. So really wouldn't expect much out of the gate, although, you know, TJ Watt will not be playing his usual complement of snaps in week one against the Bills. He's just physically not in that conditioning yet. He'll have to be eased in. He'll play, and he'll have his new contract and all that kind of stuff, but um, he won't be the full go um now Melvin Ingram will rotate it more and probably pick up some of those snaps not Shamir Jones so we'll see what happens there but um I think I think his potential in Jones game he's not to me a pure special teamer in the sense of I think there is room for growth potentially if things go really right down the road because he has the power the size the strength and I think the pass rush juice overall to make an impact there so it won't be this year but uh the future you know who knows what happens maybe
0: and do you have a comparable that you would say for Jones from uh historical steeler's outside backers or is he unique and one of one of his own?
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's unique in terms of the skill set, but I'm not sure what comp I would go with right now to be honest with you. Um he's a lot stronger and more powerful than his frame might suggest. I mean, he plays a lot of power. I mean, he put Nashi Harris and Derek Watt on their butts and backs on backers, which is, which is pretty impressive to do. Um, And he flashed that power in the, in in the preseason as well. So I don't have a good comp right now for you. Um, I'm just focused on his play. And I think he's done a really good job.
0: Right. And then just sticking with the outside linebacker room uh, really quickly uh, TJ Watt, obviously has not signed his uh, new contract yet. I know that that's in progress. It's probably nothing to, to worry about, but what do you think is the the hang up right now?
1: It's a good question. Um, I think it's just the fact that it's one of the biggest deals that any Pittsburgh Steelers ever signed. And so that's just gonna create complication and, you know, getting all the details right. It'll be the largest contract ever signed by a non-quarterback in Steelers history. It'll become the highest paid. Um, defensive player in NFL history and maybe the highest or the first to 30 million in NFL history. We'll see. I, I imagine by the time people listen to this, this deal's already been done. I think it's gonna happen in the next 48, 72 hours. Um so I think it's just some of those minor deal t- detail things. Remember, you know, Cam Hayward didn't sign his contract till late last year. Troy Palomalu signed his getting onto the plane one time. So I mean these things you know, I think the Andrew Brandt has the saying deadlines spur action. And so usually these things happen a little bit later, closer to those deadlines um, when the negotiation becomes real and, you know, are we going to do this thing or not kind of comes down to that. So I think it's just kind of par for the course, but I get the impatience because A, he is not practicing team and B, you just want to get the, the dang deal done so we can talk about it and celebrate it and kind of move on.
0: Right. And I think it's just the, Collective anxiety of Steelers Nation. Mm -hmm. We need something to worry about. And so (laughs) trust me, there are a lot of issues on the team that that aren't figured out yet, but we've we're kind of all fixating on the uh the Watt deal. And speaking of anxieties, there were a lot of questions surrounding the team heading into training camp, the offensive line, slot cornerback, Ben's health. Since we're now finished with that portion of the season and we're getting ready for Buffalo here uh in a little over a week, what Position or what area are you most concerned about this team heading into the regular season?
1: I'd love to give you an off-the-cuff uh, minority answer here, but I'm not. It's the offensive line. It's the answer every fan's going to give you, whether they're super casual or super hardcore. Um, there are so many question marks there, and especially when you face Buffalo Week One, which you just had, the Steelers' number the last two years, entrenched play, um, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, barring some of those Jim Johnson principles that uh, the Eagles would run that would overwhelm Pittsburgh. Remember they had the. The, was it like a nine sack game against Ben in I think 07 whatever year it was I mean that's the same blitzes they're running now in Buffalo with McDermott who coached with Jim Johnson the late Jim Johnson and so um, that's been a big issue the last two years now it's a new offensive line it's a new offensive line coach so we'll see what happens it's a clean slate but uh, yeah Banner's down I assume a core will be at right tackle and Dan Moore at left tackle so you'll have two rookies starting, a core four back at right tackle, or his run blocking is, is poor, and it's not going to be a good thing there in terms of trying to get a push in the run game. So um, it's a lot of new pieces, a lot of moving pieces, and um, you get thrown into the fire being at Buffalo week one against a really good defense, a good scheme, and on the road. So um, to me, that is the number one concern. Mm-hmm.
0: And then on the flip side, which position do you feel that they're really going to have to double down on and emphasize is their strength to try to keep them together as that offensive line you know, comes together?
1: Are you asking offense or defense or just yeah, on the offense?
0: offense or defense?
1: I still think the front seven is pretty strong, even knowing that Watt won't be hundred percent in terms of the snap count to it being on IR as well. Defense line is the deepest position group on this team. So that if there was one area they could lose a starter and a really good player like to it, and he is, it'd be the D line because you have war relief set a really quietly strong camp overall. Some young guys, Isaiah bugs, Carlos Davis, Herbie Mondo, um, you know, and, and the like, and of course you still have Cam Hayward, and again, uh, the strength of the edge group with Smiths and Watt and Movin Ingram, um, coupled with the return of Devin Bush and the acquisition of Joe Shobert, uh, I think creates a really strong front seven overall, so um, losing two, it's a blow for sure, really good player, 11 sacks last year, third among all interior defense alignment in football, only behind Aaron Donald and, and Leonard Williams, but um, I think there's enough depth and talent and scheme here to make up for it in the short term. Got it the rookie class
0: uh very strong only quincy roche who didn't make the 53 man roster uh again we had another outside linebacker poached by the new york giants uh being that this this class was so strong it's probably really difficult to pick that player that stood out amongst all of them but if you would choose one of the uh the rookies that were draf- drafted that really stood out above every other uh, draft pick, and then which player didn't meet your expectations that you had mm-hmm. high hopes for going into camp?
1: Yeah, Jeremy, I think this rookie class overall has been really impressive, top to bottom. Uh, Danny Smith made the point. Eight of their nine picks made the 53, and Roche was going to be on the practice squad had the Giants not claimed him. Um, and so that's a really strong class overall. To see eight and nine make it is is rare, and plus all those guys being healthy and available. Usually someone gets hurt, goes on IR, all those guys made it through. And so that alone is, is a victory in itself. Um, I don't know. If one rookie incredibly surprised me and and something I didn't see in college, uh, it was really fun to watch Pat Frymuth catch literally everything in training camp. And I've used that phrase so many times. He catches literally everything. Um We're super nerdy, as you know. We track the training camp stats and stuff like right. that. And he had the highest catch rate of anyone we've ever tracked in Steelers camp of a minimum of 20 targets, 21 or 24. Um, he, the, the next pass he drops will be his first. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I mean, he catches literally everything. The run blocking still has some work to do. There's effort, there's progress, there's improvement there. Um But just the fact that you throw it near, that 88 Jersey. I mean, he will come down with it. And so not that that's new again, he did similar at Penn state, but to see that translate to the NFL level um, is, is pretty fun to see. And, and how do you think that forecast
0: to the regular season? Do you think he'll be able to put up a, a big statistical year or should we have modest expectations for him? Um, I know everybody was high on him following that lines contest with the the two touchdown catches mm-hmm. from Roethlisberger Should we expect really big things from him or should we temper our enthusiasm?
1: Yeah, I think temper is the good word. He's still a rookie tight end in an offense with a bevy of weapons. He'll still play behind Ebron. So, you know, he's playing fifth, sixth fiddle behind your three receivers, Eric Ebron, Najee Harris. So usually rookie tight ends don't put up big numbers unless they're clear-cut starters or they're freaks like Kyle Pitts probably do in Atlanta this year. So I think he'll have a role. He'll play 500, 550 snaps this season and I think maybe do better statistically than I thought he would, but it won't be. Big numbers overall. To answer your question um, about the rookie who didn't impress me so much, I don't know if there was one, to be honest with you. Maybe that's a homer statement to make, but they <laughs> really did a, did a good job overall. Kendra Green, um, you can see why they draft him. The athleticism, the, the athletic traits and tools are off the charts. Um, this guy runs like a tight end. He tests like a tight end, basically. But there are going to be a lot of ups and downs in his game. And that was stuff I saw on his college tape dealing with power, dealing with the bull rush, long arms, things like that. He's going to get put in Ben's lap several times this season so um there's upside there he's physical he finishes he's a really good, really good athlete i think he fits the scheme of what adrian clem wants to do exceptionally well um but there's still a lot of refinement in his game remember this is a, a a junior coming out of college who did not play a lot of center he was a guard primarily at illinois and so there's going to be those lumps taken as you adjust to the nfl and as you're thrown in as that week one starter so um, this promises potential but there's going to be some variance in his game Right. And I know that it was bandied about a
0: lot um, in terms of him handling the bull rush. Uh, you said that he will be in Ben's lap on multiple occasions. Do you see that as something that he can overcome with time or is that just something related to his smaller stature? Uh, and his? I mean, he's a strong guy. Everybody mm-hmm. has probably seen the video of his 700 pound squat. But is that something that's just going to be a detriment to his game or can he overcome that?
1: I think he can improve on it, Jeremy, because Marquis Pouncey did. Pouncey didn't have as bad of an issue, and their length was similar. Pouncey was taller. He was 6'4", green 6'1", but their length was very similar. Pouncey has him by like a quarter inch or something. So I I think it's partially a technique thing. It's always going to be an issue to some extent because when you're just smaller and you don't have length, guys get into your pads easier. So it will be a problem, but can it be improved? I'm sure it can be, and it probably will be, but how quickly will it get improved and the lumps along the way as it gets improved, you know, that's going to be an issue. So um, it'll be a challenge for him His biggest challenge overall. Um, but I think with time, hopefully you can get a little bit better at it.
0: Right. Right. Okay. And then shifting gears a bit from the drafted guys to the undrafted rookie free agent class. I don't think anybody stuck. Um, I know we have a, a lot of those players that went on to the practice squad but did any of the undrafted guys uh, stand out to you um, that maybe you're on the practice squad that possibly could make a push to be on the roster? Maybe not this year, but next year or two years from now.
1: Yeah. None of them made the 53, um, which is a little disappointing, especially the uh, the DBS they had brought in that, you know, in a, in a, Depth chart that was kind of weak, not a lot of depth here. And, you know, Antoine Brooks gets hurt and things like that. You think somebody might might crack the, the team, and they didn't. Um, I'll give you two names. Mark Gilbert from Duke, the corner, I think is interesting. He's long. He's athletic overall. He was healthy. You know, he had so many issues at Duke. barely played the last three seasons. Where I think he had hip and knee issues and stuff like that. So he was healthy, available, and didn't look like a guy who had Barely played the last three seasons. He's got great length, good timing. He drives on the football. He's aggressive, and that's always important in the scheme. And then Donovan Steiner, the safety from, from Florida. Um, I think his upside's limited, but he's got a good body type. He's a big guy, um, a really strong tackler in the open field, and, and plays downhill well. So he's kind of more a strong safety classic type in that regard. Someone I could see that will – eventually, maybe next year, carve out a role on special teams because he's a really reliable tackler. Reminds me a bit of, of Miles Killebrew on this team He's the backup strong safety right now. I think that's kind of a ceiling, so it's not incredibly high, but um, I think he's a good overfield tackler. And if you tackle in the NFL and run a little bit, then I think you'll, you'll find a home.
0: Right. And Shakur Brown, who everybody uh, felt there was some promise there when he was initially signed, he was cut the uh, second round of cuts. What happened with Brown's play that, had him moved off the roster so soon?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think he flashed some of the physicality that uh, I think helped him come to Pittsburgh, kind of that Mike Hilton type. And he did well versus Dallas in the hall of fame game. Um, that, that Alliance game was tough for him in coverage with two penalties and just kind of struggle into the in phase and play man coverage. So I mean, the issue with Brown coming out was the combination of being short and slow. I mean, he was five nine, who ran in the four sixes, and Mike Hilton can overcome those odds, but most of those guys don't. So, I think just overall the skill set of you know being physical, but not being a great cover guy, and some of the penalties and stuff like that. I couldn't tell you exactly why he wasn't even brought back to the practice squad. It might have been you know a, a, some other intangible issue that we don't get to see. So, I was a little surprised by that, to be honest with you. But um, you know, he did not have a an amazing summer or anything like that.
0: Right. And I don't think he's been picked up by any other team on their practice squad, at least from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to check. Um, I'm sure he'll resurface somewhere, but I don't believe so yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely surprising. So you've mentioned it, but Stephon to it, Zach Banner, Anthony McFarlane are going to start the year on the IR. What type of impact do you think that that has on the team? And do you feel that dampers maybe the 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 optimism and the expectations for the Steelers, uh, at least at the start of the year?
1: Um, A little bit, again, with a 2 injury, I think you have the front seven, the talent there, and the depth along the D-line to kind of weather that storm for a couple weeks. So, again, it's a, it's a loss for sure. Too. It's a super underrated player in the NFL, and, 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 and I think at his best can be as good, if not better, than Cam Hayward, who's an excellent player. Um, but I think you can survive that one. McFarland, I mean, you'll live. I mean, you know. Not, not a huge deal there i guess overall and then banner um it's just a domino effect of next pain up and your tackle situation your line situation was already in question and, and now you have a, another question there created before you played a regular season snap so um again if a core force the right tackle how well can you run the football and just if he gets hurt there's another issue and, and all that kind of stuff so feel for banner i mean he's been in the league since 2017 he's played about 300 snaps on offense and most of those came as a tackle eligible so his number of snaps as an actual offensive tackle is probably around 50 in the nfl for you know as long as he's been in the league so not his fault injuries i don't know what he's dealing with right now i don't know if it's a setback from the acl or if it's a new injury or what the case is we don't know but um just been unavail- unavailable lately and that's uh not helpful for his cause or for the steelers cause
0: right and because of that, and the maybe not the the confidence yet in Dan Moore uh, and in core Ford, could you see the team making some type of move uh, to to trade for a tackle? I know they really don't have a lot of capital in terms of picks, but could they trade a player, or is there any other position you could see them making a move before the Buffalo game?
1: maybe they bring in another DB. I mean, they'll, they'll elevate Carl Joseph to the practice squad of the 53 before the bills game. It sounds like, so, I mean, that'll be some sort of kind of internal move. Um, if they want to do something to tackle a trade's going to be tough to swing. You probably go sign somebody, uh, Russell Okung or Mitchell Schwartz, somebody like that. But um, are those guys in shape? Are they ready? Get acclimated to your system right before the, the season starts. So they'll probably roll with what they have With the core for it. Right tackle, Dan Moore at left tackle. I think Moore is certainly impressed at times. I think he's still got room to grow, but I mean, I've been encouraged by his play overall and, um, he's more comfortable at left tackle. That's why they're going to shift a core four to right tackle. Honestly, Jeremy, I would play Joe Hague at right tackle. You can start a core four or more at left tackle, but you want to run the football and be better in that regard, Hague's your best run blocker of the guys who are healthy and available right now. So In pass pro, he's, he's an adventure, and you have to give him help <laughs> for sure, but um, if you want to run the ball, he uh, did a good job. and He's a good run blocker. That's, that's what he was signed for. So That's what I would do personally. I doubt that'll happen. It'll probably be a core for at right tackle, but you want to run the ball and have more balance and efficiency, then that should be your guy. Right,
0: great, great insight. And so, the last time we talked, I asked you about your kind of overall take on the team, and I think you had them coming in at an eight and nine record. So up to this point, we've we've you've got to see all the the training camp practices in Huntsville, the four preseason games. Are you more optimistic about the season or more pessimistic? And what's your take on how this team will perform in twenty twenty one?
1: It's about the same, slightly more optimistic. Um, I think just some of the the young guys in the secondary, James Pierre, had a good camp overall. I just hope that because this team's been so stubborn about wanting to play like a Mike Hilton clone at, at slot corner, like they don't want to play Sutton in the slot, which I guess I kind of understand. But like Sutton's your best guy in the slot and Pierre's your best guy to play that right corner, be that 50B in nickel. So that should be the, the case. And um, that's the best thing for the team right now. Um, so I'm kind of I was at eight, and nine before I'm kind of at nine and eight right now. But so it's, it's about the same. I'll give an extra win here when they bring in Melvin Ingram, they trade for Joe Showbert. Um, you know, things like that kind of make you feel a little, little bit better about the situation. But um, it's still a tough division. It's a tough schedule. Questions about the offensive line questions about still secondary play overall a depth there. So I think some of those large big picture macro questions still exist. Uh, for this team. But I think there has been some improvement in the rookie classes played well and stuff like that. So um, that's making me slightly more optimistic. Right.
0: And to go back about your comments about James Pierre and Cameron Sutton, what do you think the greatest hesitancy from the coaching staff is to push Pierre on the outside, move Sutton on the inside uh, in those packages?
1: They want a Hilton clone. They want a nickel corner who's really physical, who blitzes well, and can fit the run well, so they can be in nickel against troll personnel, for example, against athletic tight ends and stuff like that, give themselves some some personnel and positional flexibility. And I get that, but that guy doesn't exist. If you wanted to, if you wanted that to exist, they should have resigned Mike Hilton, and they didn't, and and, that, and that's on them um, ultimately. So, um, Sutton's not a Hilton clone. He's improved as a tackler, force three forced three uh, fumbles last season, and I think he's shown improvement there. But he's not at that level. But you know what's your alternative? Are you going to keep Sutton on the outside and play Arthur Millette in the slot? I mean, is that your best five? It's not. So you play your best five overall. James Pierre, I think, has to work on being over aggressive at times and, and and being poor with his eye sometimes, but he's a playmaker. He's athletic. He's got good size. He's good tech, little support to run. Um Sutton's comfortable in the slot. So that's the way it should be. Um, I think it's the way it will go because they kind of have no choice at this point. But I think that's been the overall hesitation.
0: Right. Right. Great. And then just Kind of a wrap-up question here, Alex. So, if we look at the the whole team heading into 2021, who would be the player that you feel is going to be the biggest surprise uh, on the team? Who do you think is going to stand out as the MVP, and then which player do you feel will be the greatest disappointment and won't mm. live up to expectations? I know those so, are pretty, pretty big ones. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I don't know. I don't, I try not think about it in those terms too much because I'll get made fun of when something inevitably you know is wrong. Um, what were the order of them? The first question was yeah, the biggest so surprise.
0: The biggest surprise.
1: That's a really good question. Um, it's probably less of a surprise at this point, but Alex Highsmith to me, really impressive. And he's not going to put up, you know, 12, 15 sacks like TJ Watt will because, you know, Watt's going to get his and Hayward's going to get his. And when two returns, he'll get his and, and stuff like that. But I've, I've been really encouraged by that. And I think Dupree was, you know, still a loss for this team, obviously, but I feel a lot better about the loss to Dupree now that I've seen Highsmith in year two and Melvin Ingram. Um, play really well this training camp in terms of the MVP. You know, it could be Najee Harris. I mean, this guy, this guy should set rookie records for for Pittsburgh uh, this year in terms of carries and yards and touchdowns and and all all those kind of stats. um Because hey, 17 games would be. I mean, he is the bell cow, and he is I think ready to to assume that role and carry the ball 275 times and catch 50 plus receptions this season at a minimum. I think he's certainly capable of that. And so, see how the line blocks warm, of course. But he's been, you know a really good camp overall for him and his energy and competitive spirit and conditioning have been really impressive. In terms of this disappointment, I'm not sure on that one, to be honest with you. Um, Just kind of have to wait and see, see how Devin Bush looks this year. Um, I think people have been a little too critical of him, to be honest with you, but, um, you know, we'll see what he looks like in year three, a big year three for for Devin Bush. He's got to definitely play well and show that he's fully recovered from that torn ACL. Right. Right.
0: And then my last question, I know it's uh, a week and a half away, and I can't believe that uh, we're going to be talking regular season, but they're going to play the Buffalo Bills. We're in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. I'm not asking for a prediction because it's uh, way too early, but do they have a legitimate chance to win that game um, and really start the year off with a probably a milestone win for Tomlin?
1: Yeah, I think they have a chance. Um you know, I, I don't know what the odds would be or something like that. But I mean, yeah, they're a good team and they're healthy ish right now. And I think they've hung tough with with Buffalo the last two years, even though they've had, you know, two years ago, they had Duck Hodges at quarterback and they almost won that game. So it, it'll be close for sure. Um, but I think Steelers are the clear underdogs and rightfully so because Buffalo's the more proven team. Um, and again, they have just completely overwhelmed the Steelers' offensive line and, uh, and pass pro in the run game the last two seasons. And Buffalo is one of the, top teams one of those teams that could challenge kansas city this year so i think they've earned the right to to be the heavy favorites in this game and that's probably the way i'm leaning right now but um yeah pittsburgh could win and it'd be a pleasant surprise but it wouldn't shock me i mean they're a talented team obviously and i could see them coming coming away with a victory in this game
0: so if you'd finish this sentence the steelers beat the bills if
1: um (laughs) <laughs> I, would, I would just say that if the offensive line plays a whole lot better than the last two years in terms of just recognizing blitzes and, and, and working on their double teams, getting the second level and, and, and playing a lot better and more, more consistency and recognition than they have been. And to me, that'll be the X factor of this game. What a, what a test for Adrian Clem, a new old line coach right away. I mean, you know, I think Sean Surratt's two worst coach games the last two seasons was against Buffalo. And so it'll be a big test with a new group and guys getting healthy and trying to, assume new roles, a back to right tackle, we presume and stuff like that. So it'll be a big challenge, but if they can play well and come together, that's a a big feather for, for, for Mike Tomlin, but also Adrian Clem, because I think the O-line as is the case for the whole season, but for, for this game in particular, the O-line is the X factor for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: Right. Right. And like you said, what a test it's going to be there in week one. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on again for a second time. Hopefully we can, again, make this a recurring thing every so many months. I know that you're super busy, uh, but real fast before we close out, anything that you want to share, upcoming uh, work on The Depot, things to check out for the Um listeners?
1: no, I would just, yeah, check out the site Steelers Depot. You can follow me on uh, Twitter um, at Alex underscore Kazor. Follow us on YouTube. We try to do more stuff with YouTube this year. So just same uh, name, Alex Cazor. Um Dave and I do a live stream every other Monday from 7, 8 p.m. Um, Eastern time um, answering any and all of those questions. So we'll do one on that's this Monday, the 6th, I think it is. So um, if you guys want to come out and hang out with us and talk about, you know, the preview of the season, then uh, you guys can do that over on YouTube.
0: Awesome. And we'll get that posted in the uh, show notes, but Again, Alex, thanks so much, man, and uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Did you get hit by the rain out there in Pittsburgh?
1: Wasn't it's not wasn't like the East Coast uh, and right. and Philly and all them. I mean, it, it rained. It, it my, my area was fine. I'm right outside of Pittsburgh, so we didn't get it too bad. You know, downtown Pittsburgh, I think got it worse. But um, yeah, it, it looked really scary up in, in Philly and New York, and I hope everyone's safe.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're out here uh, in the Philly suburbs, and mm. I left work around three thirty. Pulled into my driveway and it literally started pouring like Noah's Ark type, mm. and stuff, and the road in front of my house was flooded. So it was pretty sketchy out this way. Wow.
1: How are things now? If things receded? Yeah, yeah, they're start,
0: starting to come down. Uh, just a lot of damage to um, a lot of properties and homes, low lying areas. So it was pretty pretty sad to see. But uh, man, hopefully that's the end of you know that type mm. of weather here this season. So well, hey, again. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll have this posted soon. Be sure to check out Alex on Steelers Depot. Give him a follow on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. And thanks again, Alex. We'll see you later.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Take care. All
0: right. See you. All right. It was great having Alex back on the show for a second time. And Alex is always so insightful, so data-driven. He's not just giving you answers and responses that are canned or just follow the national narrative. He's giving you takes that are driven through his observations that he's actually making from his time at training camp at Heinz Field and from his observations of the preseason games. And there's just so much depth to it. So... Again, I always talk about those Steelers beat writers or those individuals who follow the Steelers. Steelers, When they talk, I listen. If I can make any recommendation to you, listen to Alex. He knows what he's talking about. Check out his work on SteelersDepot.com and give him a follow at Alex underscore Kizora. Dude is a Steelers beast. And so as I promised, the second half of the show going to get into my season preview in terms of what to expect from the 2021 edition of your Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you remember back in the spring, I did multiple iterations of my season prediction and now I've arrived at that time when I'm ready to put it out there into the universe of how I see this season playing out. But before I get into the season preview, there's a little bit of breaking news that I wanted to share, and the Steelers did, in fact, trade, not for a tackle, but for a cornerback. And I'm going to try my best not to butcher this name, but the Steelers have traded for cornerback Akello Witherspoon from the Seattle Seahawks for a 2,000. and 23 fifth-round draft pick. Witherspoon is a tall, rangy guy. He's a perimeter outside cornerback, four career interceptions. And the early read on Witherspoon shows that he, at times, can be highly effective and can ball out. A One report that I read said that one game you think he's an all-star But then on the flip side of that, the next game he could play poorly and you'd never want him back out on the field again. So sounds like a mixed bag. Again, not a super high pick given up. But you have to wonder, if the need was in the slot, why did they trade for another perimeter corner? Does this speak to the lack of confidence in Justin Lane and is Justin Lane now a roster casualty can't see that happening because then they'd be back down to five cornerbacks unless that is what they're going to do being that they sign Arthur Millette. but what about James Pierre is this a condemnation of James Pierre are they maybe not as high on Pierre as we are It's a curious pickup. I'm curious to hear the coaches speak about Witherspoon and how he's going to fit into this defense, but wanted to share that news nugget that your Pittsburgh Steelers have made another trade. They have been busy this offseason, and cornerback Akello Witherspoon is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. All right, so let's get into it. The 2021 Steelers Season Preview. Again, this is a brief synopsis of the massive article that I put out on the Still Study. It's super comprehensive, so be sure to check it out if you want greater depth and detail, breakdown of statistical projections. It's all there, so please check that out at thestillstudy.com. How I see this year playing out, this is a year of turnover, and that is obvious. There are so many new pieces to the puzzle in terms of rookies, in terms of this draft class that are going to be called upon to start. And if you look at that offensive line, four out of the five starters have not played a snap as a starter for the Steelers. They haven't been a regular starter. You could even make the argument that core for is not a seasoned vet. He has some starting experience, but really in totality, that offensive line, that front five, is basically new. If you look on the defensive side of the ball, you have Joe Schobert, who's a new piece. You have Cam Sutton on the outside, who's a new piece. If they move Sutton to the inside, to the slot in certain packages, and Pierre to the outside, or maybe now Witherspoon to the outside, that's new. Harris at running back will be new. You have a new punter. You have a new long snapper. You have a tight end who eventually will be the starter who is new. So, mixed in with veterans like Cameron Hayward, like Ben Roethlisberger, like TJ Watt, you have all these young guys. And as it goes with young, inexperienced players, comes errors, comes mistakes, comes blown assignments, comes fumbles comes misreads. So we have to be prepared to see plays where mistakes are made, maybe an offensive drive dies, or plays given up on defense because of the inexperience. However, these players are talented. They're highly talented. And at times, early on, They're going to play extremely well. And those mistakes, we have to hope, are not as impactful as they could be. And so early on in this season, what I see occurring is the formation of a new Steelers identity occurring. All these new parts merging with the, I don't want to call them old parts but merging with the pre-existing parts to create one new, unique entity known as the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. And that talent that those players have, it's going to have to override the inexperience and mistakes, and what it's going to result in is uneven play beneficial part about the schedule is that early on it's set up for the Steelers to have some early success. And I think they start strongly because of the opponents that they play. That second half of the schedule becomes a bit more tricky. It's brutal. I'm not going to call it just difficult. It's brutal. But I'll say this. The Steelers are going to win some games early on because of the nature of the schedule. But they will be a better team the second half of the year. I firmly believe that. Through experience, through snaps, they will be a better team. But they won't have a better record even though they will be a better team the second half of the season. I know that seems confusing and paradoxical But that's how I see things unfolding. They are going to be a better team the second half of the year. It may not be enough to beat Kansas City or Tennessee or Baltimore at home, but it's going to be enough for them to compete. And as they start to coalesce and come together and unite, they are going to be a playoff team. And in my initial projection for this squad, back in the spring, was ten and seven, and I have now bumped that win total to eleven. I have them finishing eleven and six. I have them as your AFC North champions, and I have them with a rematch against the Cleveland Browns wildcard weekend and not have them winning that opening playoff game. Now, what transpires from there, I don't know. I don't see them winning more than one playoff game unless there is just an emergence from all these young players and a really fast maturation process. But that schedule is going to beat them up pretty good The inexperience, again, I think there's enough here, enough talent that makes them the division winner, puts them into the postseason, they get a postseason win, and that's a success. That's a success. So that's where I have the Steelers landing at the conclusion of the 2021 season. And just a few things that I want to point out here that are critical offensively and defensively. Offensively, the mindset of this team is shifting. It's changed. We've seen it in the preseason. But the focus is now on the running game. And it has to be, especially with that offensive line. You're, you can't expect Ben to drop back 25, 30, 35, 40 times every game behind that offensive line And then he gets crushed. He gets hurt. Because then any hopes and optimism for the season are out the window. You need a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Sure, people may criticize him and say he doesn't have it anymore. That's nonsense. He gives this team the best opportunity for win to win. And so they have to prioritize the running game. They have to run the ball. And that's going to be the identity. They're going to run the football. Now, here's what I want to point out. The passing game. This is where my concern comes in with the offense. If they can't get the running game going, if they have some of the troubles they had last year, they do have a deep, talented receiving core with very unique skill sets. But the one area that I see them lacking is a vertical threat down the field to take the top off a defense. And what concerns me with that in terms of the passing game is – Does that make this offense easier to defend, like we saw last year, if the running game is ineffective? So that's where this team is going to need someone like Ray-Ray McLeod, if he's still around, or Sims, who they recently signed. Deontay Johnson could be a candidate because he is shifty, he is fast, or James Washington because he's shown a propensity for the long ball one of those players has to show they can stretch the field, they can take the top off the defense. If that element is missing from the passing game, I fear the offense becomes easier to manage defensively. So that's one thing that I'm paying attention to, and that's one thing that I think will be critical to the success of this offense and just how far they can go. If they can develop that vertical Weapon, And I'm not saying you need a 4-3, four, 4-2 four, guy. You can have a guy who's slower, who can stretch the field, who knows how to make those big plays down the field and challenge the, the defense. But that component of the passing attack needs to be there. So there's my concern about the offense. I think they'll be okay in the running game. I think Harris revitalizes the running attack but it's not always going to be effective and you need to have that receiver who can keep the defense on honest on the defensive side of the football. Here's the one area I'm paying attention to. It's the cornerbacks. Joe Hayden is a year older. He has the wisdom. He has the insight. He has the experience. All that is well and good, but there's something to be said for speed when lining up against elite NFL receivers. Opposite him, Cameron Sutton. Again, I have my concerns about him based on what I saw in the preseason. Very encouraged by his play as a role player in previous seasons. Forced fumbles. Showed good coverage. But what is he going to do in a full season as a starter? So my theory about what the Steelers did defensively this year. They went out and signed Melvin Ingram, who is a beast of a pass rusher. They're putting him together with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. We know what Watt can do off the edge. Highsmith seems prime for a big year. And they're counting on the rush, those outside backers, coupled with the defensive line, Toot and Hayward, and Alulu to just get after the passer. And through that pass rush, through that attack off the edge they're hoping that that improves the coverage game it requires the corners to cover for a shorter period of time so I think that was the motive behind the pursuit of Ingram because think about it it's really 1A, 1B, 1C all three of those guys can rush the passer so That rush needs to get home to protect those cornerbacks. But I'm really going to be paying attention to how Hayden performs and how Sutton performs this year. And if they could play at an above average level, this defense has a chance to be elite once again. If not, it will be a challenging year. So those are the two things that I'm looking for. And then in terms of MVPs, this is going to sound so textbook, so obvious. But the answers are obvious here. The offensive MVP, it's all going to start and end with Ben Roethlisberger. Period, point blank. The offense will go as Big Ben goes. He seems Again, I said it earlier in the podcast. He seems rejuvenate, rejuvenated, re-energized. He's got a different aura of him. I think he realizes he's at the end of, the, of his career and what could be his last season. I think he plays with the fire and passion. And he comes out and plays like this is his last season. YOLO. It's the YOLO year. He gets it done. That might seem like a cliche pick, the boring pick, the safe pick, but I'm all the chips are on the table for me with Ben Roethlisberger. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive MVP. Again, this is going to seem so boring and cliche, but I'm putting all my chips on the table here. He's come up short the last few years. T.J. Watt will not come up short this year. He wins the Defensive Player of the Year award. He's driven. He felt snubbed last year when he didn't get it. He's going to ball out. He's going to have his new contract. He's going to rack up 17 sacks. He's going to go off. He's going to make those game-changing splash plays. And T.J. Watt will not only be your team defensive MVP, he will be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And then finally, the player that I think is going to catch the eyes of fans and the eyes of coaches and players throughout the league is going to be Dan Moore Jr. There's something about Moore that makes me think he is going to be a great tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he's going to get an opportunity early on against Buffalo. I think he's going to shine. He's going to work his way into the lineup, and he is going to be one hell of a find from Texas A&M in the fourth round. So there you have it. There's my season projection. Again, some people might think I'm a little too optimistic here, at 11 and 6, but I do believe this is a very talented team. And really, the hiccups and challenges along the way will be only because of inexperience. And that's something that can change over time as the team plays together. But this is a postseason bound unit, and I can't wait to see them get after it. And finally, Still studying, I leave you with somewhat of a history nugget. Maybe it's more about perspective than it is a history nugget, but I'm going to close with this. And props to Andrew the Mule Malkasian, who was one of the pioneers in helping to get the Still Study started. So, Andrew, this is for you. Again, a little bit of history, a little bit of perspective, and recent history. So last year, the Steelers started the season 11-0. And enthusiasm was high. It was Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But we see how that flamed out and nothing came to be. The team finished with a 12-4 record. But again, they won 11 straight games. And here's why I bring up that recent history that even though I don't believe the Steelers are going to finish with a better record this season and that they, ain't, that they are not going to, I almost say, ain't, and that they are not going to rip off 11 straight wins, here's what I can tell you, and I do believe this. The 2021 Steelers will be a better team than the 2020 squad despite the record. and the last time that happened on back to back seasons if you go back to Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year he led them to a 15 and 1 record barely beat the jets in the playoffs and then got smoked by the patriots in the championship game then the following year was the famed 11 and 5 season where they started 7 and 5 and one out Six seed in the wild card, won the Super Bowl. Steelers were 12-4 last year. Again, I have them finishing at 11-6 this year. It will be a better team this year than 2020. And I'm not saying that there are similarities here between the 2021 squad and the 2005 squad. But what I'm trying to communicate here is, despite the record, even if it's 10 and seven. this is going to be a better unit than what you saw on the field in 2020. And with that, studians, as I close it out on the sessions, I always say study study studians." That is the conclusion of episode number 19 of the Still study podcast. And again, I am tremendously grateful that you joined me for this show. You got a chance to listen in to my conversation with Alex Kazora Again, please make sure you check out his work at SteelersDepot.com and give him a follow on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Don't forget to check out the season preview that I have published on the site. It is mega massive. I hope you enjoy it. I had a lot of fun putting it together. Don't forget to enter yourself into the Twitter contest to win a brand new Steelers jersey of your choice. Will it be Harris? Will it be Freyermuth? Will it be Harvin? Or will it be somebody random, maybe a Joe Schobert. But enter that contest. The details are on Stillstudy.com. You can also find that on our Twitter handle at stillstudy. Drop me a line via email at thestillstudy at gmail.com. Follow me on twitter at still study connect with me give me some feedback on the site what do you want to see drop me a line we'll get it here on the show and again next week starts the first week leading up to a regular season contest this will be the first game we are covering as the still study i'm gonna put out the publishing schedule for a regular season week so be on the lookout for that we will always have a Friday podcast where I pick the winners of the games slated for the weekend, including the prediction for the Steelers versus Bills contest in Buffalo. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. The next edition of the Big Ben Project will not be out until the end of September, making sure I get my research in and I do that thing right. But lots of good things coming to you. And most importantly, we have regular season Steelers football, finally. And I'm going to have a big prediction for you next week for that Pittsburgh-Buffalo game. It's a doozy, so you're going to want to make sure you check in to hear my take on the Steelers traveling to Buffalo. And with that, studying, I bid you farewell into the weekend. May you have a wonderful, relaxing, restful Labor Day weekend with your family and friends. Enjoy it. And I will see you back here on the study on Monday as we get this thing rolling. Have a great weekend. This is Jeremy Ritz signing off for the Steel Study Podcast.